0: Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all speedy marts across Las Vegas.
1: Back to the third hour of the morning tailgate and in the huddle. A very special broadcast here on Raider Nation Radio. As we are broadcasting live from the Raiders Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center studios here in Henderson, it's Vinny Bonsignor, Heidi Fang from VegasNation.com, and myself Clay Baker here with you for the third hour as we will go into, you know, what it, what are going to be the mean and main differences of what you see in the Raiders offense and defense going forward, because we're just 59 days away from the Hall of Fame game kicking off in Canton, Ohio. And there's a long way to go in a short time to get there. But we're going to start seeing some main differences, and we'll touch on an article that we saw uh, from last week. And Vinny had a chance to talk to Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated. All that and more here in the third hour. Six nine one eight seven is the Sam and Ash text line because you deserve what's right. And you can also uh, check us out on Twitter at RNR nine twenty AM. Thanks to Demont in the studio and Alexandra here at HQ. Eddie Pascal Will Kiss, a big thanks for having us out here as well. So when you see what happens. As a national perspective will come around for a guy like Josh McDaniels, wherever he's going to land, that's got to be a a major story because he was one of the most coveted offensive coordinators in the game. And when his name came to surface as being available for all the head coaching vacancies that were out there, up to nine that were up there last year, it was really awesome that the Raiders... We're able to make that transition with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. And you had Albert Breer on uh, from Sports Illustrated, wrote an excellent article about, you know, what is Josh chasing this time? Because there's lessons to be learned from Denver, but at the same time, there's something that, you know what, he wants to get away from the shadow of what happened in New England. It's great having six rings, but at the same time, I think Josh feels he can do it for himself.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think that, you know, more pertinently pertinently is what happened in Denver, though. And, um, you know, what did he learn from that experience? It was a bad experience. There's no uh, sugarcoating it. It happened. It's on the resume. Uh, But it's not in life – you know, what happens, it's how you react to what happens. And, you know, you can make all the excuses you want for for Josh McDaniels. Uh, He was, what, 33 years old, 34 Mm -hmm. years old, somewhere. 32, I think. Pretty young. He was a young man. Um, He was like this hot shot uh, offensive coordinator who had all kinds of success with the New England Patriots. Um, He goes to Denver as this hot shot coordinator. And, you know, when you're that young, especially, and maybe you don't have your own thing completely formulated and down pat and buttoned up. What are you going to do? You're going to emulate what you just left. And he he's what he left was Bill Belichick. I mean, the gold standard of, of coaches, not only in the NFL, but in all of sports. Um, so, of course, he was going to try to emulate uh, what he had just left. And he just overcompensated a little bit in, in that regard. I don't think he was where – he is now mentally uh, as comfortable as he is now in his own skin as he was then. You don't necessarily even know that at that uh, stage of your life. Um, but I think ret- as he looks back and you know uh, retrospectively, he understands that. And the, the key that he failed, he understood that he failed. Uh, he did a checkbox of what did I do wrong and what am I going to make sure – doesn't happen the next time uh, I get a I get a job, and I've really been impressed with Josh McDaniels because I think the key to the whole demise in Denver was how he overlooked or or. Um, uh, overlooked basically the human element of this job okay. and being able to develop a connection with who, whether it's your assistant coaches, your front office, your players, especially that human element that didn't happen in Denver for whatever reason, either you just, uh, didn't, you know, um, value it as much or didn't understand its value. Uh, regardless, that was a, a big problem in, in Denver. And I think when you talk to Josh now and I go back, to day one of his press conference at the owners meetings uh, at the scouting combine, anytime that I've ever asked him about a player, it was always we're getting to know him as a human being first. The right. football part of it will take care of itself down the road. Uh, getting to know Derek as a human being, getting to know Josh, uh, you know, Jacobs as a human being, really getting to know Max Crosby as a person first, you know. And and it it wasn't just talk. I think that he understood have to do that. Everything else will follow. When you develop a bond, develop trust, and develop a connection with somebody, the buy-in happens automatically. And then the football part of it will take care of itself. He's great as a football coach. Um, and I think that what we're seeing now so far is Josh McDaniels understanding uh, the, the pitfalls in Denver and is determined not to let that happen again here in Las Vegas. I think it puts him in a good position, Heidi, to to succeed this time around.
2: Right. Part of what I like and what we've seen already is just his everybody really is truly going to compete out for their positions. Oh, yeah. And I like that he's coming in here and not dictating this is who you are and this is exactly where you're going to be. It's like, no, you have the chance to compete. You have the chance to compete. We're going to get the best players in here. And I like that you're starting to see that mantra permeate throughout as we're going through all of the OTAs here leading up to the mandatory minicamp and so on. And And we're getting a clearer picture of what he wants to put on the field, the product. It's something I took away from the Albert Breer article was where he was talking about Bill Belichick and how he didn't really micromanage them. He wasn't hovering over them. He let them fall into their own creative ideas and, and mold and develop what they became as offensive coordinators or what have you in the system. And you've seen Josh McDaniels come back to the Patriots organization after the flop with the uh, Broncos and then build himself into somebody who's again, highly respected in this business that can overcome what happened to him in the past and himself getting a second chance. I feel like he's giving that same opportunity to the players as well to build themselves and give themselves their own second chances with him.
0: Yeah. And I think that the the next level that we're going to see of this is what it looks like on the field and, um, assuming that that human connection is there, which I don't doubt that it is, and, you know, the, the, the right players are on the field, uh, once it does get to on the field, the edge that he's going to bring, I think, offensively, I think fans are going to realize that pretty quickly. Um, you know, when you, we talked to uh, Steve Weish earlier today from uh, the NFL Network and when you look at the Patriots offenses and let's be honest about it those were Josh McDaniels offenses uh, like like he said Bill Belichick didn't micromanage obviously Bill Belichick had the final say in everything sure. but it was really when you think about the offensive side of the ball that was Josh McDaniels and one thing about the Patriots a trait that they have a characteristic that they have that I think is going to carry over here not to say that this is going to be Patriots West it's just a, a, a motive of operation that Josh McDaniels adheres to, and that's the ability to be versatile and to be able to do whatever need you, you need to do to win a game. If that's spread it out and throw it fifty times a game, you're going to see the Raiders do that every once in a while. If it's line it up in a power set and run the ball down somebody's throat, you're going to see that. I remember talking to a to a defensive coordinator a few years ago, and. Um, his team was going to play the, the the Patriots, right? And so the week before that matchup, uh, sure enough, the Patriots spread it out, you know, threw it all over the yard, scored, you know, a whole bunch of points. And the defensive coordinator designed his defense that week to face that offense. And yes. so they, they they dropped some defense in, uh they added some defensive backs, you know, um, and so they're thinking we're, they're going to spread it out and then you know that's that's going to be what we have to defend and we have to match up to that well sure enough the patriots lined up in power and they might have run it like 15 straight times and then before you knew it it's 21 nothing the ball's being shoved down their throat because they guessed wrong and that's one thing that the patriots have always done josh mcdaniels has always uh, been about is kind of staying a step ahead of what the um scouting report might say about you and that's going to change game to game and it's going to change week to or or excuse me sometimes series to series quarter to quarter uh, as as the 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 situations come up during a game and whatever the defense is doing on the other side uh, to be able to attack it but the the key is being multiple having enough types of players to be able to carry out whatever the assignment calls for that week.
1: I think that could be probably the biggest difference we'll see with the McDaniels offense as opposed to what we've seen in the past is that you know and and you hear this week by week from a lot of teams, well, we're gonna plan to shut this down on uh, uh, each every opponent has like a a different sort of uh a pace that they want to go and you know stack up against and every we take every opponent differently, but it doesn't always work out like that uh, we saw that with the previous regime, but the McDaniels system does do that they're very successful when we talked to like Garrett blunt, we asked him like How does he do it and make it so successful that no one else does? And he goes, because he starts really early in camps, (laughs)
2: because
1: he makes sure that you are already planning for stuff. And we heard it from Hunter Renfro on Thursday that he's already visualizing what he's going to do against Kansas
0: City. Well, and, and one of the keys to that is not being stubborn. You hear this all the time. Well, we're going to do what we do. You know, we're going to enforce our will on you and, and, and just worry about ourselves. You can't, that's not how you win football games. You have to understand what the other team is doing and you have to adapt to that, whether it's defensively to, to figure out a way to take away weaknesses or strengths, I should say, or offensively. Uh, how best to beat that team in that week. And it might not look like it looked the week before. Uh, But if you're stubborn, you're just going to try to keep doing what you feel like you do best and just keep doing that and running out the same darn thing uh, week in and week out and not – being uh, open to making the necessary adjustments. And I don't think that Josh McDaniel. I think Josh McDaniels, let's just say this, is way too smart to be too stubborn and not figure out all sorts of different ways to go attack and go beat opponents.
2: What I love, too, about what I've already seen, and this may be talked about a lot, but I think it's important to bring it up again, the laps. That the offense ran after a sloppy red zone. That incentivizing that they've put within themselves to go out there and to be a unit and do that and agree to this was not on par with our new standard that we're putting on the field. Go run a lap. I love
0: it. Right. And the fact that they weren't going to settle for – and they had all kinds of excuses. It's it's early. Oh it's a new offense. It's a new language. There's mm-hmm. new play calls. There's new ways of calling the plays. Uh, there's all sorts of newness here. Yeah. And learning curves and sloppiness are inevitable, especially this time of year uh, when you're just laying the foundation. But what they said to themselves, and I think that it, it, it's, it's here in May, or excuse me, now it's June, but you're going to see this in, in the regular season and games, by, not, by holding yourself accountable right now and drawing that line in the sand and saying there's acceptable and there's unacceptable and when it falls into the unacceptable we're going to self police ourselves and go do something to penalize ourselves and then come back and and rethink it and redo it better doing that now means that the same exact thing is going to happen you know down the line and it could and this is the hope obviously mitigate any you know uh, some of the sloppiness that might happen if you if you don't set that standard now yeah You can't go just set it down the road. Uh, And so conditioning yourselves now that there is a standard and you have to adhere to it or else – I think bodes well for now and then in the future.
2: Another thing, too, you have guys like Brandon Bolden, Chandler Jones, Jared Stidham, all of whom have been in some way, shape, or form involved with the Patriots and that can help work as bridges to some of these guys as well as McDaniels is trying to install things.
0: And if you're talking about high expectations, Devontae Adams. I mean, he's played on a quote-unquote championship-caliber team for a long time now, played in a lot of big football games, and understands and embraces and accepts expectations and then also uh, the self-policing that needs to be uh, prevalent – in that sort of a setting. You can't just let yourself just slip. You can't just be okay with silly mistakes. You can't be okay with just sloppiness in an OTA. Cause if you're okay with it now, you're going to be okay with it down the road.
2: And that's what I like too, is that as much as he's achieved in his career, he's here at OTAs. He's putting in the work with Derek and, and the whatever off time that they have, whether it's bonding on a golf course or trying to get in some extra passes at a park. You know, these are things that these guys have worked on throughout as we've led up to the season starting and just chemistry building, reconnecting. Of course, I don't think they ever really stopped talking to each other from Fresno State days. But <laughs> as you talk about getting into the mindset of learning this new playbook and the new installs and adapting to the change for both of them because you know, coming from Green Bay and Derek with another offense coordinator, a new system, it's a lot of learning on the move.
0: And I think it really shows that these guys have been wanting this for a long time. You know, they've been kind of champing at the bit to finally come together as teammates in the NFL. Um, you know, your career, and there's a lot of things that you don't have control over uh, in the NFL, who you get drafted by, the, the, the freedom that you have to, to move on to another situation. All of those things you don't necessarily have as a young player. But in the back of their minds, they were always talking about it. I mean, let's face it, they, they basically willed it into existence. And now that they are together, I don't think they're going to leave one stone unturned to maximize this opportunity. So I think they're super excited about this opportunity that's finally come uh, to them, this reunion that they have, uh, and so he even here in, in OTAs and tomorrow starts a mini camp. They're taking advantage of it not just because they feel like they have to. I think they're excited about it. Do you
1: feel that uh, with Devonte Adams and, and the, the group that they have with Renfro and Waller, this is not a group that's really too concerned about getting their receptions or get. I have to have a certain yeah. amount of targets. I have to have a certain amount of stuff. Uh, and and that doesn't that's not cliche. That happens at a lot of uh, NFL teams, either behind the surface or outright in front they don't have that problem i think uh, even we heard last week that uh you know i don't care if i get 50 catches and he gets 50 catches as long as we're winning and uh that is something that i haven't heard in a while out here because you want excellence you have to have that mindset first right here
0: and i think because of that almost organically by the end of the season if everybody stays healthy i i would not be sho- shocked if Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams were eighty plus catches, <laughs> yes, nine hundred plus yards, I think that they all. I think that this trio has a chance to be one of those. You know, and it's happened before. There's been four times I think in the NFL, yes, where um, three guys have gotten over a thousand yards receiving. I don't see any reason if these guys stay healthy that that can't be in the in, in the case because a you have a really good quarterback in Derek Carr, b you've got players that understand and are smart and are very, very good at what they do when you talk about Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro uh, and and Devontae Adams. And the kicker to it all is you've got a coach in Josh McDaniels who understands matchups and understands how to go attack teams and create favorable matchups, and that's going to be the case for all three of those players, and they're going to feed off of each other. And that ball with Derek Carr being sort of that point guard quarterback, uh, is going to find the open man. And I think you're going to have a situation where there's three wide receivers, three targets that have a whole bunch of catches, Heidi, and a whole bunch of yards.
2: Yeah, I'm just really thinking about this. How much is the chip on the shoulder still being drafted in the second round for Carr and Adams? Really still motivate them. You know, you hear Carr talk about it all the time, you know, second round, second round. And then then you hear, uh, you know, Devontae, not so much, but I wonder, guys like that have that. How much that fuels them extra to prove now that they're back together that, hey, you guys messed up, <laughs> not grabbing us sooner. I think there's a little bit of that. But I think from
0: Derek Carr's perspective, it's just all the doubt that he's experienced sure. yeah. even throughout, you know, even having good years on bad teams or, or whatever the case is and being – Uh, You know, talked about as somebody that's going to get traded tomorrow and the week after. Uh, I think that fuels him. And I think Devontae Adams wants to go show that he could do this without Aaron Rodgers, too.
2: Especially coming off the season, he had 1,500-plus yards.
1: With that season he had last year, like, you would almost think, like, I want to stay where I'm going to get this and more. He he wouldn't make that move. He didn't feel confident that Derek Carr could get him to that level. Exactly. Let's take a break. We'll come back more on this as well at 702-365-9200 from the Realty One Group listener line. We'll take your calls here as we broadcast live from the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center studios in Henderson. It's Heidi, Clay, Vinny here on Raider Nation Radio.
0: Hit up the show on Twitter at Clay Baker Radio. And now back to the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM.
1: Welcome back. It's Raider Nation Radio. The morning tailgate in the huddle. Vinny, Heidi, and Clay here with you on this Monday morning. As we are talking about an interesting uh, story that came out from SI.com and from Albert Breer, and Vinny talked with Albert on Friday's show. You know, there's one thing that stood out to me is that um, uh, when taking the Denver job, uh, it, it looked like as Josh was young and he wanted to make sure that, uh, you know, you have like a as much power as you can, but sometimes it's about control. And it looked as though, as he brought up in the article, that he tried to uh, put a lot of workload on himself and that's like you know you want to take control you want to make sure you have every you know every asset working in conjunction together but at the same time what you're doing is that Um, you're not relating to the rest of the organization that can help you. This time around, every time Josh speaks, as well as Dave, to the media, they always talk about the supply of staff and coaches that they have. He constantly is thanking them. And, in fact, I think his one quote uh, a couple weeks ago, he's like, look, I'm just trying to keep us on schedule. I'm not trying to do too much. I'm just, we're just trying to build competition at all the position levels, but he feels extremely confident. And there's a trust factor with everyone around them that they know that everyone's showing up early. He is not the first one in the building. Everyone else is already there. And at the same time, he knows right from the draft to present day that he's got a lot of people that are around
0: him that are extremely good. Uh, Good and people that he can trust and people that he already knows. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and Dave Ziegler go back to when they were teenagers Uh, Over at John Carroll University, I think they knew of each other even in high school, um, kind of played at nearby nearby schools uh, in Ohio. So, you know... I, that can't be understated at all, the relationship that those two have, and not just the relationship, but the working relationship. Uh, so they speak the same language. They know each other's, how they look at players um, from a from a personnel standpoint. Dave Ziegler knows what Josh McDaniels is looking for and Patrick Graham is looking for. They can articulate that to each other. They have the same scouting foundation, uh, how they grade players, everything. They hit the ground running here. And there's a trust factor as well um, that you can't achieve unless you're just, you've worked with somebody for a long period of time. And I think that that's created a seamless transition on top of Josh McDaniel's understanding what the errors of his ways were in Denver and, you know, uh, making sure that that doesn't happen again. To also now have a staff that he trusts, especially in Dave Ziegler, his right-hand man or whoever's right man, you know, however you want to describe that, um, that, that power structure – it makes all the difference in the world, think.
2: It does. And I like that they've had that background together and I like that you read how McDaniels kept after the careers of Glare and brought him into the NFL, essentially, uh, when he was scouting over in Denver. So you think about just the what Clay was talking about with how McDaniels is trying to make this different this time around. Part of it, I think, leads to the funnel theory that before he was dropping his word into the top of the funnel and expecting it to filter down to the right people and it wasn't necessarily getting there or maybe his message got misconstrued along the way. Whichever the case may have been, he's learned that it's not about dropping that in the funnel and expecting it to get where you need to be. You need to be the one that puts that word in whoever's ear that you need to get to and, and make sure that they're understanding and processing it. And you're seeing that more hands-on approach, I think, now.
0: And I think what ultimately happens is it allows everyone to tap into their particular strengths. Josh McDaniels' a strength is as an X and O's NFL football coach, and especially on the offensive side of the ball. Um, And I think that for him to be able to just focus on that aspect of it allows him to do his job at the highest level possible, rather than being pulled in all these other different directions. And again, he has somebody in Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly and the whole staff on that side of the building that he trusts and knows and and, and believes in, uh, and that allows him just to be able to, of course he's going to check in on players. Of course, when it comes to a decision on who to draft or who to bring in this building uh, or who to add to the roster, it's going to be a collaborative effort. Dave Ziegler has the final say, but it'll be a collaborative uh, process to get to a decision. But ultimately, Josh McDaniels is going to be focused on what he does best, and that's coaching X's and O's. How do you think
1: that this will work out through the next couple of weeks when you have a certain amount of money for, um, you know, after June 1st, you may take care of some business on, you know, with the current extensions on players. Uh, you keep about $5 million for the expenses that will happen during the year uh, once the regular season begins. But how much of a, uh, a conversation are they having about who do they add out there as a free agent glue guy that could kind of come in and help uh, either the offense or defense? And this might be a defensive guy that kind of comes in uh, And because I think they already have that kind of trust built in with Patrick Graham, somebody that they've worked with before, and that they don't have to constantly watch over their shoulder to see what's Patrick doing because they know he's getting the job done.
0: I think in the aftermath of of minicamp, uh, we're going to get a pretty good idea of where the Raiders see themselves as, what stock that they put in this roster. Um, so they're gonna they're gonna assess everything that's happened right up until the end of minicamp, which is on Thursday, I believe. Take a few days, I'm sure, to kind of assess things and really take a deep look at things, and really then decide: Are there some areas of this roster that we need to bolster, and what? roster positions do need the most uh, are, are in the most immediate need of bolstering and you may see a move or two uh after they make that decision and after they make their determination but um you know uh I don't think it's going to be a whole lot of money that they spend on somebody but they'll they'll I would imagine that there's going to be some tinkering that's going to happen
2: so that being said that if you're thinking they're not going to go the route of spending a lot of money on someone it Probably rule out Ndamukong Su from the conversation.
0: Was yeah, that- I've never felt that. Uh, I, I mean, just, no, there could no. be it could be a surprise, but no, nah, from from you know what I'm hearing. Let's put it that way. I, okay. I don't think that that's ever been anything serious. I mean, things can change, of course, uh, but um, at least with who I've been able to uh, to, to talk with. Um, it's never really felt he like. Just there took was the cheese
2: there. whiz off my sandwich. There you go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Put
0: that on the side,
1: man. Well, oh, wait a minute. It, it's like they're going to have to add somebody. Now I figured, like on the defensive side of the ball, that's where you could probably add one more. Yeah. Of some uh, of some ilk, but yeah, I think there's not going to be a whole lot of money to throw at that. Uh, so yeah, maybe Sue kind of gets thrown out of there because he's going to want some extra cash, but. For Patrick Graham, what do you think they want to give Patrick, and what do you think Patrick needs if they were to add one more at any position group? Where do you think they would start with that?
2: I would build that linebacker. I think that they could still use some depth there. Uh, I like the idea of, if you look at Jayon Brown, maybe what he could bring as an inside linebacker and pass coverage as well and just the impact that he had in Tennessee when he was brought in. Uh, It it was like, I was thinking a lot about him and just, uh, I know I'm going off topic of what you would bring in, but I've been thinking a lot about Jayon Brown and how he would work to 3-4 and the kind of every down back that he is at workhorse that he can be. And, and something I thought about in all of this is if, you know, he uh, hadn't had a, he wouldn't have probably had a chance to be seen or known about who he is if Miles Jack wasn't injured. So I started thinking about like Warren Sapp and The Rock, going back to the U. Like, who would, who yeah. would know who Warren Sapp was? You know, it's like all of these things that you process as you start to think about these players. But yeah, I, I would think a, a linebacker, especially if you're running 3-4.
0: Yeah, the only the only um Con- not concern, but question I would have is how many times you know how many times are going to line up with multiple linebackers on the field, like mm-hmm. like three linebackers on the field. The or way today's football, yeah, the way yeah. That today's football uh, works is, you know, you're basically sometimes you have one linebacker out there. I mean, I know that you're talking about those edge rushers or quote unquote linebackers, sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm talking about more of the Denzel Perryman's, uh, yeah, you know, green dot middle, divine league. Diablo yeah. guys. Uh, how many of those guys are going to be actually on the field, especially in passing situations when you're taking the linebacker off to put another cornerback in or another safety. So um, I would think cornerback, if you're talking about – Defensively, But again, we don't know where uh, Trayvon Mullen is in terms of his path back to not just recovery but being on the field uh, to start training camp or soon after, uh, and then where does that put him to start the regular season. So I think cornerback would be um, a a position, but also the offensive line. I think that in some form or fashion, bolstering uh, the offense, and that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to replace Alex Leatherwood at right tackle, it could be. Bard um, to, to replenish there. Again, Denzel Good. We, I mean, the last time we saw him, he was doing know. some work off the, off to the side. So yeah. right now, you got to put a question mark next is
2: Exactly. How ready will he be right. is the question. We still have to get through camp. Yeah. And, you know, LV, it's just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just that's a big question mark for sure.
1: Let's get your thoughts at 702-365-9200. The Realty One Group. Listener line, 702-365-9200 here in Las Vegas it's Raiders 66. Good morning to you, sir. Hey.
3: Hey, good morning, everyone. How you doing?
1: Hey, great, thank you.
3: Very good, thank All you. All right. Man, you got a whole potpourri of people in there today. Cornucopia. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> on Friday, when I heard that, uh, that Brent Musburger was stepping down, I, I, I thought, wow, there's a bucket list item that I'd like to check off. Okay. Man, ever since, uh, ever since uh, Bill King uh, retired, I was thinking maybe I could be the play-by-play man for the Raiders. Yes. Yes. Do you have
2: a call? Do you have a like a signature read that you would say for touchdowns, such as Jackpot um, Baby? What would it be? I'm I, just curious.
3: I, I like the one that uh, like uh, Bill had, and then the one that uh, that uh, Papa had. You know, like extenuate the Raiders. You know, just uh, Raiders. Oh, yeah, uh, that that I just like so much. But but it's been about 33 years since I've actually been on the air, so I, I got a little rusty. Get off. I, I go back so far, guys, that uh, my first audition tape, my first uh, air checks, were on reel to reel. So it, nice. it costs oh, wow. a, yeah. Yeah, it, it cost a lot to send those out. So I was glad when the cassettes came along. It's but, uh, never it,
0: too late.
1: Yeah, you're the kind <laughs> of young talent we're looking for, Raiders That's 66. right. I still, got,
3: I still got almost 20 years to get to Brent. There you go. There, so you're I'll right. There you go. <laughs> but uh, you, guys are talking, you guys are talking about change, you know, and I, I think the, the big one you guys have hit on most of them. And, and one, I love that thing about doing the laps. That, that shows a commitment that I think might have been sparked the last four games of last year when it was in a must-win and they had to buckle down. And it's nice to see them come out and do it on their own and not have the coaches say, hey, you know, you guys are going to run There's a difference uh, between the last years. The difference is going to be in the red zone. With uh, McDaniels calling the plays, we're not going to have a lot of short field goals. We're going to make those touchdowns. The difference is that 500-pound gorilla on offense now in Devontae Adams that the other defense has to, uh, you know, game plan for. That is refreshing. And the difference is on defense, that amoeba-like defense, they want to have that morphing and changing and everything. That, I think, it, all those things are going to add to the, the betterment of the Raiders this year. And, and I think that the, the, this staff and their willingness to, to make those, you know, changes all, all the time is just something that is refreshing. It, and Vinny hit it on the head. You know, not be stubborn, and I think that's what the previous regime was. I mean, we're going to run the ball. Game one, we're going to run the ball. Game seven, we're going to run game eighteen. We're going to run the ball, and everybody knew that. So the second half of the season, you know, we kind of didn't didn't have it. Everybody uh, caught up to it, and this constant changing is going to be the refreshing breath of uh, breath of fresh air that I think the Raiders need, and it's going to drive them up to a, a better time. And I think also. The players and the coaches are smart. They see what this division has become. And so for them to run laps without being asked shows a determination and a commitment. One of Al's axioms, commitment to excellence, is what they are showing from the get-go. Only May, yeah, but they're still showing it. June, they're still showing it. And it's going to lead us into the season. Thank you guys for the time. Have a great Great day. And go Raiders.
0: Thank you, 66.
3: Always a pleasure. Yeah.
0: You know, the thing is, I'm sorry. To, that's an excellent thought. Yeah, uh, ex- there are so many great points that he made. Uh, let's not also forget that the Raiders accomplished a lot last year uh, in some really hectic, uh, crazy circumstances or under some crazy circumstances. They won 10 games and they made the playoffs. Uh, uh, Heidi, that's going to carry over. Those expectations, once you get a taste of that, you, you you want more and you don't want to fall back into old habits. You don't want to fall back into own ways. You want old ways. You want to move forward from that. And don't you think that what they did last year also set a uh, level of expectations for themselves?
2: Absolutely. I thought that when you get there and you've had that taste, like you said, this year to them, it's not about getting there. It's about winning there and that's where I think the mindset has been all along for D.C. You saw that fire in him when he walked off the field. I was watching just him uh, after, at the end of that game and the eyes and just his thought and how everything was processing. And I thought to myself, that's a guy that is going to do everything within his power to get back here. Of course, that's the goal uh, of all, And when you're leading a team the way that he has been. But I think that when you – have that chip on you it just kind of it pushes you just that much more
1: you know you brought up the word stubborn uh like what we were used to with like an offensive attack especially in short yardage situations and in, in the red zone previously we saw like the same attack it didn't seem like uh it was going to be molded against any particular opponent it was like we are going to dictate mm-hmm. what we want to do and that's how we're going to do it and over time you could see it was starting people were losing faith in that system on the field this time around, when you can have like a, a different look and a fresh look, especially in the red zone where you're not constantly looking for Hunter Renfro, you're going to be spreading it out all around. There's going to be so many different guys. I mean, when we took a look at the 2020 box score the last time the Raiders faced the Patriots, it was Rex Burkhead that was the star of the game. Rex
0: Burkhead, really? Yeah. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, that's the frustrating thing, I'm sure, for teams playing the Patriots, is that just when you think you kind of have them figured out, they pull something else out of the uh, out out of the uh, hat, and they're all of a sudden beating you in a way that you never even expected. So I think that level of creativity, adaptability, and versatility is something that the Raiders are going to now be known for.
2: Yeah, and I think they're going to become a little bit more physical this year. I like the they physicality been, that I'm seeing than so they have far. been. Yeah.
1: Well, I think if you're going to have that kind of running back rotation, that almost predicates the fact that we want to get physical when we need to, especially if we're going to have all these offensive linemen really creating a competition out there that is going to be smash mouth when we have to be. Let's get one more call in before we take a break here at 702-365-9200 to Southern California with
4: Gangsta Raider. Good morning, Gangsta. What up,
0: Gangsta? Yay,
1: yay.
4: Well, what's it's up, what's Heidi, Hot Heidi. What's going on, y'all? <laughs> hey, <laughs> I got a question real quick. Do y'all know if Lincoln Kennedy is staying on for the broadcast?
2: Oh, good question.
1: Yeah, sure. We don't know
4: actually. We will look into that. that. I would. I, I would think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, if he's going to stay on, I suggest we either bring in Jason Fitz from ESPN, um, or Lewis Reddick. But I'm I'm not sure if he want to mm. do. Um, um, the booth, because he seems see, like he's suited more for a GM position. But in the meantime, he could come in and either be that role or also Rich Gannon. One of those three oh, should take wow. over. You know what I mean? And uh, I want to say, what's up, the Raider 66? You know, what I'm saying you like a, a encyclopedia of Raider information. And I hate Always. my son didn't get to meet. I hate my son didn't get to meet you when we was down there. Um, for his birthday, but we'll make it happen again. And also, as far as Josh McDaniels goes, you know, when I don't know, I think I told Clay and Vinny when he first got hired. You know, I liked the hire, but I thought him as a person, I thought he was like a weasel or whatever because how he um backed out in Indianapolis and the things he did in um, right. Denver. But I did a deep dive into him, you know, so ever since then, and I realized that he made the playoffs in with he was with the Broncos with Cal Orton and Tim Tebow. As his quarterbacks, and he won the game. You know what I'm saying? Around won the playoff game against the um, the um, S. Berg Steelers. He wasn't. The, and,
0: he he. Yeah, he wasn't the coach right. uh, uh, for that team. Um, he had already uh, already uh, exited the building. Right.
1: John Fox replaced him, and then won with that. Yes,
0: game. exactly. Um, oh, Okay.
4: Well, okay. Well, I, I got it wrong then. Yeah. Well, no. Anyway, I, no, thought, all right. I think he's one of the. I think he's one of the better coaches in our division. I think the only coach that's better than him is the Walrus, Um Andy Reid, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And so I think, like you said, I think our team is going to be much more versatile, have a lot of fungibility due to the yes. fact that Josh McDaniel is, um, is, is our coach. You know what I'm saying? Because Gruden... It's like he lost the patience. He wouldn't even do play action and stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's going to be an upgrade. And um, I'm really happy that they got – because I was really happy about Ziegler, the GM, because the GM is a professional. I mean, not to take away from Mike Mayer because I think he was handcuffed by Gruden. I don't think he really got to show his um, chops as a GM because Gruden handcuffed him. But Ziegler is a professional GM. And I like the way that um uh, McDaniels has come around with his people skills and everything. He's like a new a much better coach this time and I'm excited about the way we should be able to um use our offense and the defense should be also as versatile and fungible as, as well because with the um defensive coordinator, it's you can't, can't you know, we aren't gonna be predictable and um as Cookie cutters, we used to be. Everybody knew we were going to do, you know, especially in the red zone, first two phase runs, then we're going to try to do something crazy on third down. It ain't going to work. You know what I'm saying? But I'm really excited about how things are going. And, um, also that, um, Defense coordinator and a defensive line coach. I'm, I'm very happy with all our coaches so far. So if everything goes right, I think we should win at least 13 games this season. At least 13 Beautiful. games. I'm excited. I got both tickets. So far I got tickets to both L.A. games and the Indianapolis game at home. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. Let's go, oh, yeah. And also, Keon Myers, your boy Q, Q, needs to be the sideline reporter. And me, passionate Raider and Violator. Need to talk to the team or give them the um, pump up speech before the game, and we'll run out and lead them on the t- on the field. I will do it for free. Let's keep the gangster, y'all. I'm gone. Oh,
2: Yo, gangster, you better go take that over in the sports book. You're gonna go with 13 wins, man. Make oh. that money. A lot of positivity.
1: I love it. Let's take a break right now on Raider Nation Radio. Thanks to Gangsta and Raider 66. It's Vinny, Clay, and Heidi on your Raider Nation Radio morning tailgate. Let's go. Thank you for joining us this morning. Having a lot of fun here at Raiders HQ, the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center here in Henderson, Nevada. All right, this is a special day. In fact, all day long, you're going to hear... Raider Nation Radio coming out of the HQ studios as JT the Brick from noon to two, as well as Q Myers will go extended from two to five here today. And this is a special uh, you know day in of itself. It's kind of like a media day. Here at the facility, uh, what kind of uh, stuff do you expect uh, to, to get a hold of? Because you know, now that we're not in that era where we have to be, t- uh, sue, uh, you know, too tight with protocols and COVID, uh, we can finally get maybe back to a point where we start doing one-on-ones. Are you excited about this or what?
0: Oh, that part of it, I'm tremendously excited about. But media day t- typically is when you take your picture for the media guide. Um, for the when you see somebody's picture on ABC or or you know Monday night football or Yeah your Game profile of the week, pictures all those things you know when you see like uh it's time to get loud yeah. you know Legion Stadium that's when they do those type of uh, promos uh-huh. right now so uh, talking to various, I'm sure I'm sure the Raiders.com team is going to be out and about, you know, doing interviews and pictures and videos and that type of thing. But it's just a one and done day where you try to get as much of that stuff taken care of as possible Here's as the organization.
2: what I can't anticipate anymore. I loved the Open that was put together with the Raiders walking through the desert, Hunter Renfro, all that, like stomping, cracking dirt and you know, cracks that you saw when everything opened up at Allegiant before games, that's what we'd be playing. How do they recreate that with this year's squad and Devontae? I'm curious to see how that failed before a game, what they do to it. That's really something. Oh, they got really good people
1: that do this and it looks as oh, though yeah. they like they feel like they gotta one up each other each I, and I, I wanna
2: day. help can I produce it I love doing creative projects I just wanna throw that out there you're in I'll charge somebody let me help
0: you're in charge Heidi uh, alright so what do you guys wanna see tomorrow and the, these next three days for uh,
2: we can't put on anything. pads yet no ah <sighs> That takes away everything from me. But I'm just kidding. No, I, I, I'm curious to see how Alex Leatherwood continues to progress. Right. That's been a very interesting storyline to follow, seeing how he grows at right tackle. And I've seen a lot, like I was telling you know, Clay and the listeners know that I've been watching the social media stuff and things that get put out by trainers and seeing how he's been working to build and right. grow throughout the off season. So I, I think a lot of people were really hard to – and I, this is something I talked to Steve about, Steve Weish – On Colt Miller early on, and he grew into being a stellar player and uh, really taking care of his end of that offensive line. And I want to see, I don't want to compare the two because obviously everyone has a different trajectory, but I do want to see how much of a leap Leatherwood takes from year one to two. I got to see some running back uh, depth. I want to see, like, if
1: I know who who the uh, primary backs are, or will I ever know? Will we ever know? I mean, because it's like uh, it might be a uh, game-by-game committee there that goes and takes the ones and twos, but I would like to see more uh, separation and maybe ideas of who has roles and responsibility, who's your third down running back, who's going to come in there for pass protection. If we could find some answers on that, maybe get that a little clearer, I'd I'd like to see where that goes.
0: Well, if you want some clues on that, um, I I think I mentioned earlier, you know well, before the show started, uh, Clay, that uh, the Patriots, I think, ran for the eighth most yards in the NFL last year. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, they were 4.4 yards per carry. Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, and Brandon Bolden were their top three running backs, and that went 929 yards, 606 yards, and 226 yards. So, I think if you're looking for some sort of a um, you know blueprint, that's that's what it is. Oh, I love it, man. This is really good. I tell you what,
1: this has been a fun show today. I look forward to uh, more throughout the week. And after that, as well as we'll all get our stuff together and we'll uh, continue to bring you great updates from uh, Raiders HQ throughout this week and next as we get uh, more and more in contact with the team. And we'll give you all more here on Raider Nation Radio. JT The Break 2 to tw- uh, noon to 12, uh, noon to 2, Q Myers 2 to 5. And all our podcasts will be up on LVSportsNetwork.com, iTunes, as well as Amazon and Audible. Vinny, great job. Thank you for today, brother. We'll see you tomorrow. Great stuff. Fist bumps of galore. For Damon Cotton back in the studio in Alexandra here in, at HQ, we thank you for listening. Have a great day, everyone. Eisen's next.
0: Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Vegas.